Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley to run the rule over the past week in the world game. First edition news with all the latest on the Socceroos and Matildas with Willem van Denderen shortly. And of course, our former ITN journo turned pundit Derek Dyson will be joining us throughout the show. But first up, with the Women's World Cup less than 90 days away, the focus of the show in recent times has quite rightly been on the women's game. And while we'll cover the final round of the men's season this weekend ahead of Melbourne City being awarded the men's Premier's plate on Friday night, all eyes are on the grand final between the Premier's Sydney FC, who've just completed a hat-trick of titles, but only squeaked past their nemesis of the past two years. Melbourne victory to earn their place in the championship decider against top flight debutants Western United this Sunday in Parramatta to talk us through the Sky Blue season and his thoughts ahead of the big game. Former Socceroo Ante Juric manager of that side will join us. Then last week I described Arsenal as wobbling and Manchester City coming home like a steam train. Seven days later, nothing has changed. Any thought that the Gunners would regain their composure evaporated after 26 seconds against relegation-bound Southampton when Aaron Ramsdale gifted the opener to the Saints. And while their title rivals and defending champions Manchester City had the week off league duties, they spent their weekend sharpening their treble credentials with a 3-0 drubbing of Sheffield United at Wembley to advance to what will be a Manchester Derby FA Cup final to talk us through. It all in his own unique and compelling style, the Guardian's Jonathan Wilson. And we'll join us and we'll wrap it up with stoppage with not stoppage time. Stoppage time is a different show. We'll wrap it up with World Cup Corner. Edge, um, just jam-packed. Uh, you we were up uh, in Sydney and watched uh, Sydney just sort of stumble over the line. I think I sent you a text um, predicting uh, an 88th-minute uh, winner for victory. It turned into an 88th-minute winner for Sydney FC. They almost fluffed their lines. Uh, they dominated the entire game, really. They had uh, supremacy in the midfield. They just couldn't get one away and they had to wait until the 88th minute. Uh, Victory did defend well, but congratulations to Sydney. You get a chance at redemption to claim the title double, the Premier's Plate and the Championship. Hasn't been done for a long time. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to Ante Juric. He's got some really significant honour roll. We should reflect on that. Mm. He's already coached the A-League W or W-League Championship. Three straight Premier's Plates, but this is his sixth consecutive grand final in the women's game. And he's won 61 of 92 games while he's been in charge at Sydney FC. It is some um, CV, um, and I'm looking forward to talking to Ante, who um, must have been biting his nails at some stage during the game there, Rob. Derek, before we uh, invite Willem on, um, looking forward to chatting with Jonathan Wilson. And look, I hate to use pejorative terms for Arsenal's performance over the last three weeks, but it's it's getting to that point, isn't it? Seriously, I mean, I know, you know, the young squad and lack of depth and uh, all the rest of it, but, uh, you know, there were two moments in that game, the Ramsdale 26 seconds where he just, he just showcased what everybody was nervously feeling in the stadium. And then um, Zinchenko, when, when, I thought, is he is he wearing the captain's armband here when he tried to get all of the players in? And Odegaard, to me at least, seemed to object to, to him calling the players in to, to rally the troops. Yeah, it's been a pretty chastening few weeks for Arsenal Arsenal fans. Um, and look, I you know hate to say it, but I did call it on the show last week that I did, mm, didn't see right. yeah. the Southampton game as a as a done deal, even facing the the bottom of the league tie uh, side at home. I was trying to work out what I thought was the worst result. Is it 
chucking a chucking a, a lead away to draw away, but at least it's away from home and one of them against Liverpool or, you know, whether it was this home game against Southampton. But the warning signs were there earlier this season. They are, you know, the win against Bournemouth where they scored in the very, very last minute of the game, the recent Nelson stunner was a, a great moment for Arsenal, but it also sort of papered over the cracks of like another team that, excuse me, come to the Emirates and uh, uh, caused Arsenal problems. And in that game too, Bournemouth scored in the first minute as well with a planned move from the kickoff. So there's some vulnerability there. And of course, now they're staring down the game at Manchester City. And then I think they play Brighton. They've got Newcastle away. They've got Chelsea. It's not a, it's not a great run of fixtures. Well, maybe the Chelsea one, but not a great run of fixtures for Arsenal. So, when you asked me last week, is it going to be nip and tuck? And I said no. Well, I, unfortunately, I just see that bearing out. All right, Willem, um, mate, get us underway. Yeah, I want to go back to the A-League women's Rob. Sydney FC are going to have the chance to reverse last week's result on Sunday when they meet Western United in Parramatta. Uh, chocolates to boiled lollies in a week for Casey Dumont. Edge, the hero last week, uh, spilled a little bit of a soft one, I thought, for Madison Haley. But it's in the, in the blood for her to deliver on the big stage. The daughter of five-time... Uh, NFL Super Bowl winner Charles Haley. I think he's won the second most of all time. So perhaps no surprise to see Madison on the spot to tuck that home when it mattered. Uh, this week really is again another opportunity, as you touched on, to reflect on Sydney FC's history in the competition. This will be their 10th grand final appearance in just the 14 seasons uh, of the league. And it's hard to get around the fact that they have lost the last three uh, this week. is all about Psyche Ferranto Juric and his players. Do you harness that? Do you avoid it? Uh, we're going to ask him how he goes about it in a little bit. How do you think they'll go? Well, I think they've been really good in the last two weeks. Actually, very, very good. They were clearly dominant against Western United and they were very dominant against uh, Melbourne Victory. Uh, their midfield is extremely efficient and talented and clearly uh, out in front. However, they haven't been able to score. Uh, that's his conundrum this week with the players. He just needs to work out a way to turn... Uh, the possession and shots on goal advantages into goals. Uh, I think they are clearly the favourites going back into this uh, grand final. We know that Western United got the win in the second semi-final, but I thought, you know, um, based on you know how the game transpired, that was a bit fortunate. So um, I'm backing Sydney FC's quality to get the job done. It could be an avalanche. Would be an avalanche if Jamie McLaren was playing. He scored a hat-trick again on the weekend, and that's taken him past Bessart Barisha into outright second on our national goal scorers list. He's 143, has him first in the A-League era, although he still has a fair way to go to catch Damian Morris' 240 National League goals. Uh, he's 29, Rob, with another year on his deal, and he spoke to Simon Hill on his, uh, on his show, the, uh, the Global Game, uh, and was pretty frank about the fact that while he likes the trophies, he also wanted these sort of records when he decided to, to sign a deal like that. And uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, hmm. uh, attribute the bulk of uh, his prime years, if you like, to uh, to a domestic career as opposed to uh, abroad. Uh, but the uh, the big trophies, as we keep saying with City, are still to be won this season. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's good to see a player like Jamie McLaren, um, a, a local product who who could probably have had a a decent career in in you know a, a, a second tier competition somewhere in Europe, uh, and uh, and and made uh, a good life for himself. But he's he's stayed in Australia. He's uh, he's winning these accolades. Obviously, the Mori record is is is, is uh, well away. But but if his club is benefiting from his own hunger for goals, uh, you know, and who can who can uh, blame 
blame a, a striker or criticise a striker for wanting to score goals. I don't think anyone's going to do that. Uh, um, I did also see uh, an interview with Michael Zapponi uh, where he was quite emotional uh, talking about um, you know his grandfather um, and, uh, and and some words that uh, uh, that he'd um, given to him before he, he passed away, telling him to, to be the greatest ever in the competition. So you know if these are the sorts of stories that we need to, to, to build a narrative around the, the domestic competition, so that uh, you know that there there's a you know that that history that builds on the NSL and previous competitions, national competitions uh, of our games. So no, well done, Jamie McLaren, and uh, and kudos to him for what's an outstanding uh, uh, career in the in the A League so far. Another story that needs to be celebrated is the career of Nikolai Topper Stanley, who's said that uh, this Saturday night for Western United against Perth is going to be his 341st and last A League game. Uh, Edge Newcastle Jets stalwart an inaugural Wanderer who then lifted the Asian Champions League in 2014 as captain, one of just two Aussies to do that. Uh, a four-cap Socceroo under, under Ange so, through sort of 2014-2015 uh, and a brief spell in the UAE uh, as well. Just a, a genuine steady eddy of the Australian game. Great partnerships with uh, with Nigel Bogard and later with, with Andrew Durante. Uh, fantastic servant of the game and he hands up, hangs up his boots. A very proud uh, man and uh, congratulations, Nikolai. Um, what a fantastic career he's had from the Newcastle Jets all the way down to Western United. Um, I think wherever, wherever he has played, you know, whether it's been Newcastle, Perth, uh, Sydney or Western United, he has delivered well and truly and um, he can hold his head high and he's up there in the pantheon of the game's record holders. He's right up there and um, he should uh, be very satisfied with his shift as a professional footballer, Willem? No, most certainly. We did speak about the Premier League off the top. It does go on the line this Thursday as Arsenal head to the Etihad with a five-point lead over Man City, although having played two further matches. And I know, Derek, you're going to speak uh, with Jonathan Wilson about Arsenal a little bit later on, but did you want to just take a moment to uh, put your feet up and delight in Tottenham 6-1 embarrassment at the hands of uh, at the hands of Newcastle? Of course, there was a bit of a smirk on my face when I, I saw that I saw that this morning. Um, cut to ribbons and then the smirk kind of disappeared because I then realised Arsenal had to go to St James's Park in a few weeks and I started panicking about what that game might look like. So, um, yeah, of course, I think I'll, it won't be long until Arsenal are celebrating St Tosseringham's Day, as it's called. We haven't done that for a little while now, but it's the day where uh, Arsenal technically will finish above Spurs in the league. And I don't think it's that far away now. So, uh, yeah, good good to see. And uh, obviously looking to looking forward to speaking to Jonathan to get his view on Spurs, but also, yeah, how fantastic Newcastle were because they're a real proper team at the moment. To Europe, the Champions League quarterfinals are in the books. Our semi-final matchups give us two very different sort of uh, sort of styles of football. So if you like your sort of ruthless machine-like efficiency, you'll have Manchester City and you'll have Real Madrid. And if you like, Rob, the romance and the rivalry and the history, we'll have the Derby della Madonnina, mm-hmm. uh, Inter Milan and AC. Over 300 times these sides have met, but just four times in the Champions League. Inter mm-hmm. last winners in 2010, AC 2007. And with uh, Juventus uh, awarded their points, we're not sure whether they're going to keep them uh, pending the the appeal. Uh, looks like the only way one of those clubs on the current ladder is going to get into the Champions League next season is to actually win it. So, uh, uh, no good for Italian football. Um, I'm, a, I'm very fond of uh, uh, the Serie A from uh, uh, the many years I've been married into uh, the, the Italian connection and lots of family and friends um, have fond memories of uh, of Inter winning uh, the what was then the UEFA Cup 
when I was on my honeymoon in 1991 and uh, going uh, into town, uh, my uh, my wife's cousins uh, driving like lunatics with their interfans uh, out the window and doing laps around the uh, the Duomo, the cathedral, and uh, and just going wild. So uh, the um, Italians, uh, you know, it's time that uh, that that great competition righted the ship and, uh, and with those stories and uh, and with the, obviously the Napoli story which we'll cover over the coming weeks as they uh, they lock down that uh, Scudetto uh, is uh, it's great to see that um, that there is an all-Italian uh, semi-final and a guarantee of a, an Italian side in the uh, in the men's Champions League final. Jose Mourinho wasn't surprised to see those points go back to Juventus he said in reality this decision was made three months ago I've been in Italy four minutes uh, four years, not four minutes. Uh, we'll go to Socceroos and Matilda Central for the Green and Gold Army to close. Edge, the junior Matildas are in camp in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, if you don't mind, for the first round of the 2024 Under-17 AFC Asian Cup qualifiers. Uh, sides led by Ray Dower. Uh, they play the hosts, and then they play Chinese Taipei. Uh, tell us a little bit more about this one. Well, they've actually played the hosts already, and they won 11-0, Willem. So that's a fantastic effort for the... Uh junior matildas or the mini matildas as they used to be called i did like the name mini matildas i thought they should keep that going um fantastic result and i imagine some of these young australian women might not have been overseas in their life and they've traveled all the way to mongolia how do you reckon they're going over in mongolia they that'd be a bit of an eye-opener for them i'd imagine that's a fantastic experience at that age i was lucky enough to get to uh get to nepal in year 11 that's a similar sort of similar sort of time and it's it's eye-opening at that point certainly is but uh, they've got a, to a great start we expect them to top that group because it's the um, very first phase of their qualification and uh, good luck to the mini Matildas. I'm still going to call them the mini Matildas, Willem. Women's Champions League. Sam Kerr unable to find the net for Chelsea in their semi-final first league against Barca. They trail 1-0. Steph Catley started for Arsenal as they came from 2-0 down to finish 2-all with Wolfsburg. So that's great news as Steph recovers from injury. And we've got four games to go in the English Women's Super League. Manchester City have made their move. They're into second following a 6-2 win over West Ham. Congratulations to Mary Fowler. Her first league goal in her 10th appearance past Matildas teammate Mackenzie Arnold. To the gents, AZ Alkmaar are into the semi-finals of the Europa Conference League, courtesy of two Matt Ryan saves in a shootout with Underlecht. That sets up a semi-final with West Ham. Jackson Irvine on the score sheet for St. Pauli as they lost a, the Hamburg derby to Hamburg. Uh, that's going to be pretty tough uh, to get promoted this season. But a good news story to close. We'll go back to you, Michael. Mass Luongo and Cam Burgess both playing key roles every week for Ipswich Town in League One. They are second, 6-0, 2-1 and 3-0 over the past eight days or so. Uh, Cameron's made 28 appearances, so he's been solid. And Mass, all 11 since returning to the club. Yeah, fantastic. Well done to those boys. That's great. What about Wrexham? You left Wrexham off. Always the Aussie link. There's no Aussie link, but we just thought we should mention Wrexham. Everyone's loving Wrexham at the moment. They've been promoted to League Two. They're back to the Football League for the first time in 15 years. They should sign a Socceroo, I reckon. Don't worry, Ed. We're going to cover that in the other show that we do, uh, Stoppage Time. I've got Wrexham lined up, and we'll cover exactly what happened at the racecourse ground. And yes, with the money from the Americans, I've got no doubt they could probably pick up a Socceroo or two. 
That would be nice. All right, boys. Well done. Nice start. Um, okay, I'm going to take a spot on the pine um, alongside Derek and sit back and listen to Edge and Willem have a chat to Ante Juric. It's been a great season. And it sort of feels that uh, even though there's the fairy tale story of Western United uh, having come into the competition only this year and, uh, and and doing amazing things, making the grand final, missing the premiership by a point uh, that, um, that Sydney do deserve it. But, hey, you don't get what you deserve in the football, in sport, uh, in life, really. So there's still a lot of work to do and Ante Juric is going to tell us all about it if you stick around next. Hey, hey guys, I love this cooler weather and you know what I love to do? I love to cook and I'm generally a bit of a savoury cook but Derek, do you ever do you ever make uh, something sweet? Do you ever make a cake or biscuits at all? No, I leave all of that to my wonderful wife Sarah who is mm. the ultimate at baking in the house. So we'll get there one day. Okay, well, listen, get it to listen back to the podcast and tune into what I'm about to say because uh, I don't know anyone who doesn't love a cake or biscuits freshly baked from the oven, whether they made them themselves or ate them from somebody else's uh, uh, efforts in the kitchen. And with the cooler weather, it's uh, autumn now. There's no better time to start baking. So make this simple quartz spice mix for your go-to easy prep and exquisite flavouring each time. Now, I want you to start with a Chinese five spice mix. This is a bit of a derivative but uh, you know it's a warm it's a rich blend and uh, it's it's got a hint of all the, the well, not all of them but a lot of the Hoyt's flavors that we love so start with the four color peppercorn mix uh, the powdered ginger and cloves and just grind it all together and then the secret ingredient once you've ground the peppercorns and the ginger and the cloves is the Hoyt's vanilla sugar it's perfect for pies cakes cookies muffins even sprinkled on top of uh, your cafe latte in the morning or your cappuccino I feel like a little spice uh, in your coffee when you you make it at home so enjoy and delight in the flavors of autumn make sure you refill your empty spice jars with Hoyt's value packs you'll be happy with Hoyt's at Coles Woolworths and all good independent supermarkets box to box can you believe it for chemist warehouse great savings every day and Hoyt's herbs and spices changing the mood of food and this could be the most crucial goal of well, Sydney FC have become synonymous with Grand Final Week in the A-League Women's Competition, featuring in nine of the 13 deciders since its inception. Ante Juric has led them into the last five consecutive Grand Finals and is now preparing to do it all again this Sunday when they'll meet Western United at Parramatta. Ante, congratulations and welcome back to Box to Box. Uh, thanks very much for that. Thanks. You've been dominant in your, your two finals thus far, although the goals haven't flowed as frequently as your work uh, might say that it, it has deserved. Uh, scoreless against Western United and then right down to the wire again against victory on Saturday. Can you take us inside the dressing room at halftime when, when things again weren't quite falling your way? Yeah, well, listen, we're always confident because we're obviously dominating the game and, and attacking a lot and create the chances so we're, we're confident it's just a matter of putting the chances away I guess but you can't be too down at half time in terms of that when you're dominating so much um, we did talk about maybe being a little bit more precise and a little bit calmer um, but that's individuals within a game um, and we did that a little bit better in the second half obviously with the goal but we had a few better chances but it's difficult sometimes you know when teams are uh, behind the ball for and, and defend quite well and have got good defenders and keepers but um, we've done well so I'm really proud We'll get the sticky one out of the way uh, before handing over to Edge the past five grand finals it's been well documented extraordinary to get there but just the one championship does that history play any role this week is that something that you you use to, to harness within the group is it something that you use within your own preparation or is it something best ignored oh, I don't think of it to be honest I don't know if everyone else does or the players but you know it's new players it's a you know a lot of reasons sometimes behind it for some of those losses you know um 
but you know, to win one championship, enormous in, in my book in terms of the five years. Uh, so sometimes people don't even get into the titles, let alone win one. So you got to be happy with what you achieve. In saying that, um, uh, we're out there to win, and obviously that's what we've tried the last couple of years. And this week's no different. Um, and just hope you've got a little bit of luck, and uh, I'm sure it'll go our way this year. Ante, our rival football codes, um, the championship uh, or you know winning a grand final uh, through finals is the pinnacle of the sport. Um, obviously, in our code, um, there's great respect for teams that win premier, what we call the Premier's Plate um, in the context of European football, which we all love so much. Um, the title goes to the team that finishes on top of the table. I wanted to ask you as a coach, I mean, you've you've been incredible. You know, this is your sixth straight uh, A-League women or W-League grand final and three Premier's Plates in a row. Just you, just when you sit at home having a glass of wine, thinking about what you've achieved, is it the Premier's Plate or the championship that's the that's the bigger personal triumph? Oh, my girls can answer that for, for you, for me. Um, they know I want to win the uh, premiership. Um, and for me, a grand final is a bonus. I know that's not the way for most people, but that is for me. Um, because the best team in the in the competition is the team that loses the least, gets the most points, scores the most goals often, concedes the least. And we've done that for three years. So no one's come close in it. And no one can tell me we haven't been the best team uh, over the three years, regardless of what happens, grand final day. Um, however, the grand final is something special for fans, uh, the club, uh, in the same way. Um, so it is important. Um, but for me... If you're going to ask me the question, it's a bonus. But so I wouldn't swap my premiership for any grand final uh, win. But I'd no, love both. Um, probably answers yeah, it like that. But yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit different than most. But that's the way I feel about it. No, I think uh, the, the real test of um, a team's performance is uh, finish on top of the ladder, no doubt about it. Sunday's match, uh, Willem mentioned it to me. Um, you have really dominated the, the two finals. Your midfields have been absolutely on top. They've been unstoppable, really. Um, will you do anything different with your preparation to address finish it in the final third to capitalise on the amazing number of chances you're creating? Yeah, we're, we're doing a bit of shooting, extra shooting. But again, I think it's down to the individual at that moment because it is a pressure cooker situation. I, I know we won't change the way we're playing and we're quite confident. So in terms of that, we're, we're good to go. Um, but it is down to moments. And uh, again, there's a you know these opponents that we've played against at times, there's been unbelievable saves, you know, which is the job of the opposition and the goalkeeper. Um, let's just hope the opposition keeper doesn't have as good of a game and that we probably aim for corners and find corners more than a little bit straighter than our shots were last time against Western. Um, but we know what we have to do in terms of that. And we've spoken about it. But again, I don't want to harp on it with the girls because they're at a confident place. And um, as long as we keep attacking, I'm sure I'll, I'll not even going to call it luck, but I'm sure we'll get one or two. Um, this time around. Um, I want to talk to you about your captain. Uh, it was str- you know watching the game at Allianz Stadium on the weekend. We had two fabulous goalkeepers playing, two incredible captains and defensive players, Kayla Morris and Nat Tobin. Um, I just wanted you to reflect on the leadership of Nat Tobin. Um, I thought she was out- absolutely outstanding. I think she's been outstanding all season and in the finals, but in particular against Melbourne Victory, she was, for me, the player of the match. I just wanted you to reflect on uh, the quality of her leadership and just how much she means to your club? Oh, yeah, she's enormous. Um, it's been enormous for years that I've been there, that I've known her, but let's use this year. Uh, I'm glad you've seen her, but she's been 
easily one of our best two players this year in every single game. Um, as a player in her own right, but yeah, obviously as a leader. But yeah, the other day, um, she she made the goal in a lot of ways, um, breaking down from the back. Um, she's comfortable on the ball, so we've we've asked her to push on a bit more because she's quite smart and very good to do that. Um, she knows how to link in. She's got good, uh, obviously, experience in terms of that. But yeah, she's a superstar. She doesn't get the plaudit she deserves, which is, to be honest, a few of the players don't. But yeah, she's been uh, superb this year. And um, even at half time, she's pushing the girls to um, give more of themselves uh, and try to seize the moment. So she was excellent in uh, on that day, yeah, 100%. I did notice on uh, social media she said that uh, if you win the grand final, she might ask her boss for a day off on Monday. I think that's very reasonable, aren't they, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure she, she should take a few days off. Like sometimes she comes to training and you can just see she's knackered. But, um, yeah, I'm sure she'll get the day off 100%. Um, or if we win that game. Now, one of your other superstars, Mackenzie Hawkesbury, um, fantastic game on the weekend again, but she's been super all year. Um, this is a bit of a tough question, but are you surprised that she hasn't been figured in any Matilda's training camps for them to have a bit of a look at her? She's been just the metronome for you all season, pretty much the last two seasons. But um, again, on the weekend, uh, she was just uh, sensational. She must be close to getting a look in to at, at least be considered for a... Um, a squad position in the Matildas? Uh, yeah, it's not a tough question to answer for me because she should be there, in my opinion. Um, yeah, she's not even got a look in for any camps recently, which is extremely surprising. Um, uh, yeah, she's been unbelievable for three years now, last year exceptional, this year just next level again. Um, yeah, there's a couple of girls I think haven't got a look in recently. The same sort of happened to Vine. It took her two, three unbelievable years before they even looked at her and Maybe the same thing's happening with Macca, but yeah, these girls are definitely ready and um, waiting. And, and I know that, you know, like a vine, when she finally got her opportunity, they're not just good enough to be there, they're good enough to start in this national team, in my opinion. Um, but you know what, that's their job. And hopefully they do bring these girls in because I care for them and believe they can be there. But it's down to the national team coaches um, for that. Certainly is. Now, um, you've extended your uh, arrangements at Sydney. You're going on. Um, I just want you to, I mean, this is not a question in relation to this week's grand final, but next season, an extended home and away. Everyone's expecting an extended home and away uh, full round of fixtures. Um, we're expecting the introduction of a National Cup competition and you guys, being the Premiers, are likely to participate in a, at some stage, we have yet to see the details of a Asian Champions League, um, there is a lot to look forward to. Um, you know, we've, we we talk a lot about the development of women's football, but it continues to evolve. You must be terribly excited with all that you've achieved. There's still a lot more to to go. And um, and where does the potential Asian Champions League rank for you as a coach? Um, yeah, it's huge. Uh, to be honest with you, I've heard, and I'm just glad they're going to do because I did hear there's going to be something in November. Um, but I've heard for about two or three years we're supposed to have it and we won these premierships and then it was cancelled because of COVID and other things. So I was a bit gutted because, you know, often you're successful and then you don't get a chance to do this. Um, so I was a little bit worried about that. But, yeah, I heard now in November they were going to reignite it. Um, and it's enormous. Of course it is. It's, uh, 
something that I get an extra drive for. It's uh, good for the players, for something new and um, new challenges. And, you know, you grow from all these things. And, yeah, I'm definitely excited if that happens. Again, like I said, I heard it was in November as a preliminary kind of thing before the, um, they do a proper one next year. Um, so it'll be nice to be involved and something for all the clubs to aim for. Just before I hand back to Willem, Ante, congratulations on another fantastic year. You have your achievements in the women's game are really sensational. I know um, how much you're loved at that club and uh, I wish you all the best on, on the weekend. And Willem's got a final question for you. Thanks so much. I appreciate the chat. Thank you. Yeah, Ante, I'll just, uh, I'll just echo Edge's sentiments. Uh, you've helmed, I think it's not an overstatement to say, one of the most consistent uh, eras in Australian sport, any club, any code, uh, any era, six grand finals on the trot, as you say. Some clubs don't make any. So six on the trot is a, a phenomenal achievement and all the best in, uh, in putting a deserved cap on it on Sunday. Thanks, Thanks again. Sydney FC boss Ante Urich there ahead of Sunday's grand final. Stick around on the other side of this. Rob and Derek are going to be back with a proper football intellectual, the Guardian's Jonathan Wilson. Hey, hey, it's Chemist Warehouse. Uh, now, I want to give a big rap to my mate Mario Tasconi. I was following him on Sunday night as he was powering through the London Marathon. We had a whole team of Chemist Warehouse Run Club members uh, watching him via the app. And uh, how is he going for a bloke who couldn't get off the couch uh, uh, from a, a, an activity point of view? He's a machine in, as far as business is concerned, but he got himself fit and healthy and started running marathons. He's punched out a three-and-a-half-hour marathon in the London Marathon on the weekend. So a big, big rap from all your mates at box to box Mario on a, a Supreme effort uh, in that London Marathon, and it was a, a bit wet over there, and it's past the flu season there, but it's not the past the flu season here. So, you know, if you're going to get out there and exercise over winter, don't let the flu ruin your plans this year. Get in early and help protect yourself with flu immunisation now available at Chemist Warehouse. Now, Willem, did I ask you last week whether you've had the jab? Uh, you did, and I went down to Chemist Warehouse Quick Smart and had it. Well done. See, yeah, and you uh, you passed the the teacher's test. Well done, because I know Edge has had his done. Derek's had his. Oh, I have proof. as well. I had mine done about two weeks ago, so it takes two yeah. weeks to sort of kick in. Now I'm I'm bulletproof, Rob. The Lurgy it's not going to get me this year. You look like a machine, Edge, as we're looking at you there. The quadrivalent vaccine is the one that helps protect you against four strains of influenza. However, as Edge said, it takes a few weeks to have full effects. So get it now. Don't wait. Jump online. Book your appointment. It takes a community to build immunity. It's quick. It's convenient. It's affordable. And you don't need a script. The prescription and administration are provided in store by a qualified health professional. This year, the quadrivalent strain vaccine is 1999 at Chemist Warehouse. So build immunity and book your flu immunization today at Chemist Warehouse. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box now. As I said off the top of the show, uh, and said it last week as well, Arsenal are wobbling. Manchester City are coming home like a steam train. Uh, is this the inevitable end to the season that's going to see the head-bobbing finish that uh, Arsenal fans are dreading uh, to talk us through it and some other stories related to the what's going to be a fantastic finish to the Premier League season, including the relegation battle? Uh, we're delighted to have Jonathan Wilson from The Guardian back. How are you, Jonathan? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? 
I'm very well, mate, and I'm sure, as you see, the uh, the camera, my uh, my co-host here, Derek, uh, proudly displaying his Arsenal shirts at the back. He's been trying to keep the lid on it for a long time now, <laughs> and, and he's giving us the impression of a guy that just fully expected all of this to play out. Uh, so so um, happy with the season so far, but but in all seriousness, uh, you know, opportunities to, to win the title don't come along um, that often. It's been close to two decades since uh, Arsenal won their last title, and Mikel Arteta has, has turned that close up around completely, both on the pitch and, and off it. Uh, but to see um, the the, uh, the last three weeks' performances, it, it, it looks, and I hate to use the term, but uh, it looks like they're bottling it, Jonathan. Yeah, I've been trying to resist that term because I think it's sort of too easy, but I, I'm not really sure there is another term for it now. Um, yeah, I, I, I sort of, you know, we, when, when Leicester twice went close to getting in the Champions League and it sort of fell away at the end, and the, 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 the sort of general narrative was, ah, oh, they've bottled it. And I sort of thought, well, have they bottled it? Or, or has a, a, you know, a, a relatively slim score just been found out as the season's got, to, got towards the end? Um, and I, I think there's an element of that with Arsenal. Uh, that, yeah, I mean, the, the, the obvious case of, of Saliba being out, I think they would not have conceded seven goals in the last three games had Saliba been there. And that Rob Holding probably is not well. He's not, he's not the level of Saliba. It's a, it's a different quality of of replacement. I think even Zinchenko missing the West Ham game was a was a key issue. But having said that, to be two 0 up against Liverpool and West Ham, and in different circumstances, to not take the three points from either of those games, and then to to let in two goals as soft as the goals he let in that first twenty minutes against Southampton, th- that is a that is a mental issue. That is a psychological frailty. And I think we've seen in the last two or three weeks, Thomas Partis' levels dropped. Odegaard, although he, he came good again at the end of the Southampton game, he's had periods where you know, passes that should be very simple for him haven't quite worked. Uh, I think Saka's form has been a bit in and out. Saka missing that penalty, not even hitting the target at, at West Ham. Um, there's, there's, and, you know, the last thing I want to do is, is chuck Rob Holding under the bus. Uh, there has been a, a collective failure. Uh, Ramsdale's pass to, mm-hmm. yeah, to concede that goal after yeah, 20 whatever seconds it was on, on Friday. The, 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 there's been that sort of creeping anxiety through the side. And you look at it now and yeah, there's still five points clear of City, but they could have been 11 points clear. They should have been 11 points clear going into the game on Wednesday night. And if it had been 11 points clear, uh, even if it had been nine points clear, the, the, the pressure on City is 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 then very different. That City would have had to win that game and pretty much be perfect for the rest of the season. City now, you feel, of a team with, with wiggle room. It may be that Arsenal win on Wednesday and the, the polarities flip again, but yeah, City's position now is is very commanding. And I think you look at, I mean, you look at City's running, it's not just who they have to play, it doesn't look as testing as Arsenal, but the, the probably the hardest game is the game away at Brighton which should have been this weekend, but because of the FA Cup and City and Brighton both being in the FA Cup semi-finals, that game's been postponed to, to be the penultimate game of the season. By then, the title may, may already be over. Whereas had it been this weekend, maybe Brighton take two points off them, and then that gap, yeah, five points goes to seven or 11 points goes to 13, whatever it happens to be. Um, but the, the, even the fixtures are coming in the right order for City, you feel. Jonathan, it's been a bit of a graveyard, the Essie had uh, for Arsenal. They can't point to, you know, famous victories that they've had had there uh, in the past. Um, is there anything that you can see 
uh, in terms of City's form, the way Arsenal that might the way Arsenal might be able to regroup either by rejigging the starting lineup or the playing squad, uh, or do you kind of fear for them because they're kind of going up there a bit damaged, and you know City are imperious, and it could end up being quite a uncomfortable night for Arteta and his men. Yeah, I do fear for them. I mean, the thing is, even if Arsenal say take the lead. If you can't hold a lead against this Liverpool, you can't hold a lead against West Ham, how do you hold a lead against City, who are the best team in the world at building pressure? If if you're an Arsenal fan, as obviously you are, and you're trying to find positives, then you'd say Nathan Ake being out is is, is a good thing for Arsenal that... That leaves City slightly weak in the fullback areas. And Arsenal, obviously, with, with Saka and Martinelli, their strength attacking has been down the flanks. You think Saka getting a run, presumably Laporte will play at left back. Laporte's not as as mobile as a as a more natural fullback. Maybe there's some joy to be had there. If if Stones plays at right back, going to midfield, as he has been, uh, although not in the buy-in game, that may be space then for Martinelli to attack. Maybe Akanji starts at right back and Stones plays in the middle, which is what they did against Bayern. Again, Akanji's not as mobile as a more natural fullback. Maybe Martinelli can can get a run at him. But I just don't see, given the form of, of party particularly, um, but but also Odegaard, and and I presume Xhaka will 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 be able to 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 take over again from Vieira. Um I, I don't I don't see how, how Arsenal get a grip in midfield. Obviously, City going through very comfortably at the weekend in the in the FA Cup it was a bit of a tune-up for this game. Obviously, they're fighting on three fronts. Uh, is is that something that you feel that they are they are about as um, comfortable as they have been? Obviously, they've done it before, but the squad now is such that they have virtually got two players in every position. Previous years, maybe City been distracted by multiple tournaments do you see that even being a factor and I think they'll be quite comfortable being in all of those now well if it weren't for history you'd say they're really comfortable because they 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 look like the best team in the world at the minute the last couple of months they've been playing brilliantly but we have seen City throw away very very promising positions before particularly in Europe not so much in the in the league um the one thing you would say, yeah, you're absolutely right about squad depth. There's a couple of areas where where there's little threadbare patches, but fundamentally, yeah, they're, they're the best squad in, in yeah, again in the world. Um, but Guardiola has used essentially the same twelve or thirteen players over the last two months. Made changes um, against Sheffield United on Saturday, and still won comfortably. So it is possible, maybe fatigue begins to set in. In May, maybe they do get a couple of injuries. Ake getting that injury, I think, is significant. If they say lost De Bruyne or Bernardo Silva, I think it's been brilliant, certainly since the World Cup. Um, if they if they lost Rodri, you know, Calvin Phillips, I think it's it's not quite at the same level. They, they 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 could be affected. I think Guardiola deliberately sort of tries to get his team to peak in 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 sort of March April time. I think there have been times before when there's there's been a little bit of a dip. In May, and now the season goes into into June because of the World Cup. Um, but uh, you know, all of that is possible. But then you look at the league fixtures they've got left, and they're just not that testing. Um, if Arsenal can still be in touching distance going into that last week of a season, and City having to go to Brighton, having to go to Brentford, those aren't the easiest games. You know, they lost to Brentford at the Etihad this season. Brighton, you know, they may have a negative reaction to going out of the cup, or 
yeah, they they may really sort of that may galvanise them the the sort of desperation that to, to, to get into the Europa League and or, or, or potentially even the Champions League, I guess, if, if United falter. Um, and, and the season not to be defined by the Solly March penalty miss. Yeah, that, that could still be tricky, but I'd, I'd be surprised if Arsenal still even in the title race in that final week. Yeah, um, I, tend to, I tend to agree with you on that, Jonathan. Maybe cheer me up a little bit when I talk about Spurs, um, who <laughs> over overnight didn't, uh, didn't have the best of times and certainly one of the worst 21 minutes of any team in the Premier League this season. Um, is it a case of caretaker manager, caretaker squad? Is that what we're looking at? Yeah, I wrote a column about Spurs at the weekend and I was sort of thinking, well, you know, it hasn't been that bad this season. They are they are still fifth. They are, had they won in Newcastle, which you know, nobody expected them to do, um, then, you know, you'd still have said they're, they're, they're well on course to get in the Champions League. Harry Kane's, well, he's now got 24 goals. If Haaland didn't exist, then, um, yeah, he, he'd be set for the fourth golden boot. So I think, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been frustrating, but it hasn't been a terrible season. And, and maybe the mood music isn't quite accurate. And then you, <laughs> you see that first 21 minutes. And you, oh, no, no, the mood music was absolutely correct. This was desperate. And I think it's a problem if you... Yeah, the only point in sacking Conte was when, when he was sacked rather than waiting for summer was you bring in somebody who... who at least clears the air. Let, let's let's players refocus on the basics. Gets rid of a sort of toxic cloud that we hang over the club. But to do that, you need a change. You need to do what Manchester United did when when they got rid of Mourinho and they brought in Solskjaer. You know, I, I, I thought United bringing in Solskjaer as a caretaker made sense. Bringing him in full time did not make sense. If Spurs could have got rid of Conte, that probably means getting rid of his staff and brought in a club legend or, or even Ryan Mason. Just somebody to to sort of freshen it up, say, yeah, no pressure, rest of the season, just play it through. If we get in the Champions League, great. Make sure we get in, in the Europa League. Let's just, just sort of you know, get, get rid of this, this this sort of negativity that's been hanging over us. But they don't. They appoint, the, not, not merely Conte's right-hand man, but the man who had stood in for him when he was ill. And so you've lost the figurehead, you've lost the charismatic one, and you, you're still, still left with the remnants of the old regime. So... Yeah, the, the the only point of those sort of sacrificial sackings, sort of with seven or eight games to go, is to freshen it up. Well, they haven't freshened it up. They've just got rid of the bloke who can actually coach. So I, I, I think all that's happened is that 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 sense of negativity, that sense of drift, has been intensified because you haven't got the charismatic figurehead who can still get people up for at least some games. So if you think about how lucky they were to beat Brighton, I mean, this this really the last month has been absolutely desperate. And I would imagine that much as you as an Arsenal fan, your only joy at the minute is is watching Spurs. The only joy that Spurs have at the minute is watching Arsenal. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. I think so, Jonathan. Um, but um, what about Newcastle then on the other side of the pitch? Probably we've been sticking the boot into Spurs, but but obviously there's, Newcastle played extremely well, and, and actually, despite a bit of a dryish patch in the middle of the season where they were kind of struggling to score goals that, that's certainly not uh not a problem now um and uh did you do you is this great coaching from eddie howe is this just a team in supreme confidence at the moment what do you what do you put this because i mean i think they're ahead of schedule aren't they they're ahead of schedule yeah um i mean the money clearly has made a big difference um 
yeah, Gimarish, Isaac have, have both been exceptional. But you've got to give Eddie Howe credit as well. I, I think Sven Botman as well has been been exceptional. But you've got to give Howe credit as well that the, the people like um, Joe Willick, who are already there, are playing brilliantly. Jolinton is playing really well. Um, so it's, it's a combination of, of Howe's coaching and, and the Saudi investment. And to be honest, whoever the new owners were, just by dint of not being Mike Ashley, there was going to be a lifting of the mood. Um, and, and, and yeah... Newcastle were never that bad under Ashley. You know, you hear a lot of. I, I realised that he was a very sort of toxic presence for the club. I realised that he'd he'd almost begun mocking the fans by the end. Um, he clearly was not good for the club. I understand why they wanted Ashley out, but they were still drifting around lower mid table. They, you know, they weren't. Well, they had the one relegation, but they, you know, they they there's a lot of clubs who've been through a lot worse. And you listen to Newcastle fans, and you know. It sounds like they're Macclesfield or Rochdale or Bury, these clubs desperately scrapping for existence. It was never that bad. So whoever came in, if you've got a club with a squad that's sort of, I don't know, 12th to 15th, um, but probably should be performing better than that, you you, you lift the negativity. There, there is going to be a, a spring and then the money to bring in better players and then how's coaching. Um, but yeah, you're right. I'd say they're ahead of schedule. They would not... I guess Champions League qualification was the... The very outside of their, their ambitions for this season. I think they're going to do that pretty comfortably. They probably should finish third now. Um, and, and then, you know, they're, they're in a great position to, to probably bring in three or four more good players in the summer. And I think you've got to give them credit for how they've spent. It's, it's very easy when you, you have a new new rich owner to, to, to splurge and, and bring in, yeah, extravagant talent that doesn't really fit. Well, they haven't done that. They brought in sensible signings who have fitted together and there's been a, a sense of a fairly gradual progression. Um, they obviously need to make the squad bigger with the Champions League campaign. I think they can still make it better in a, in a couple of areas. But they've, yeah, for for, for all my um, concerns about where the money has come from, the money that they have, have that they have has been very well spent. And for all my reservations about Eddie Howe sort of moral blindness, his refusal to answer questions about the Saudi government. Uh, you can't deny that, that from a football point of view, he's done a very good job. Jonathan, you've been very generous with your time, as you always are, mate. Um, thanks again for for coming on. We'll uh, enjoy from this side of the world the uh, the, the sharp end of, of uh, the competition and um, and it's just going to be fascinating. We'll starting on Thursday morning our time, we'll get up at 5am and watch it uh, and, uh, and hopefully for my old mate here, Derek, um, he does have uh, a little bit of joy in the back end of the season. Yeah, well, make sure you work out when the clock's are so you don't miss kickoff. <laughs> Good on you, Jonathan. Thanks, mate. Jonathan Wilson from The Guardian. Uh, if you haven't uh, read uh, his great um, copy in, in that newspaper, then uh, do yourself a favour and uh, get online. Uh, Jonathan is one of the best football writers there is going around. Okay, stick around. Walk up corner next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. 
Yes, this is Box to Box. This is World Cup Corner. It's been a good show so far. Really enjoyed the chat with Ente Juric earlier on and Jonathan Wilson. Uh, I mean, if uh, if Ente is on the park uh, football royalty from an Australian point of view, Socceroo and uh, an elite manager at the top flight, uh, there's no better football journalist uh, going around uh, than Jonathan Wilson. So we're uh, we're really privileged to have him on. But uh, Willem, um, you've always got a couple up your sleeve as we count down the days. I think 87 days to the Women's World Cup as we record. Yeah, homework is due for Derek today, so he's got the rest of class to frantically scramble that up the back of the classroom and put something together. I'm coming to you shortly, but we've got sad news in the interim, Rob. England skipper Leah Williamson is going to miss the World Cup after tearing her ACL, and uh, Arsenal manager Jonas Edeval uh, has blamed the conditions of the pitch. Uh, Williamson said... The World Cup and Champions League dream is over for me and everyone will think that's the main focus, but it's the day-to-day of what I'm about to go through that is the most draining of my thoughts. Uh, Arsenal and England uh, also going to be without Beth Mead as she continues uh, her recovery. But probably a, a far more important one and one that really puts that injury and the World Cup as a whole into uh, perspective is the cancer diagnosis of Sally Shippard, mm. uh, a rare form of ovarian cancer. She's uh, looking at six months of, of chemotherapy. A little bit of background on Sally before I, I throw to you too, because uh, the Matildas, I mean, they have a, a long history and Rob, you've uh, you've dug right into that with, with Julie Dolan on offside, but the boom over the past 10 years, I suppose, can make it easy to forget how long uh, players sort of walked and, and worked before this this current group had the, uh, uh, the the setup and the resources available to them to uh, to fly. So she went to the 2004 Olympics uh, as a 16-year-old, retired five years later with an eating disorder, but beat that and went to the 2007 and 2011 World Cups, uh, led Canberra to their, uh, to their W League championship and finished up with 59 uh, Matilda's appearances, Edge. Yeah, what a superstar. And you know, this story really does um, shoot home just the journey of the Matildas and how tough it's been. And uh, I just hope uh, everybody who's involved in women's football and, and the wider footballing community get behind Sally and uh, make a donation to help her through what's obviously going to be an incredibly difficult time and a, uh, and a, and a tough fight ahead of her. So uh, she is a fantastic uh, uh, games player. Uh, Games are tally for the Matildas and um, a very big presence in the uh, emerging sort of uh, W League when it first started. So, Sally Shippart, we well and truly have our thoughts with you. And um, I encourage everyone to get on Twitter. Uh, just look up any one of the Matildas. They've been retweeting the information on uh, how to go about uh, making a donation. Yeah, and, and if you don't uh, know much about ovarian cancer, it's one of uh, the most sinister uh, of uh, of um, of variations of, of that um, disease, uh, there are a very few warning signs, a very few symptoms. Um, even pain doesn't seem to emerge until very late in the piece with ovarian cancer, and sadly, by the time it comes around. Uh, Despite uh, you know the advances in treatment uh, across the 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 world in um, in treating cancer and you know some forms of cancer getting very very uh, um, high levels of, of long term recovery and recuperation five year uh, life uh, spans after diagnosis and treatment ovarian cancer is not one of those and uh, and when you get it it's sort of um, you know in the same league as pancreatic cancer uh, uh, for uh, its potential so uh, we hope that um, that 
the um, the story is a good one for Sally Shippard. She's a much loved player uh, in the Matilda community and in the broader uh, football world in this country. And uh, from uh, all the lads on box to box, uh, you know, we've all got mums, we've got sisters, we've all got aunties and grandmothers. And uh, uh, we're uh, we're in your corner, Sally. Well said, Rob. Derek, we'll uh, we'll come to you to uh, lighten the mood to bring the show to a close. Looking to the future, looking to the World Cup, 87 days, as Rob says. We need a player who we don't know as of yet who we're going to be keeping a close eye on uh, throughout the tournament. All right. I thought you'd give me two players, Willem. So I've I've prepared two. Do you want both of them or shall I just go with one? No, please. Load up. Load up. So we were talking about Arsenal's uh, injury woes, the, uh, the women's side. That is, and I wanted to uh, big up Frida Manum. Uh, she's 23 and playing for Arsenal. Uh, she was a Champions League quarter-finalist, age 17. Two scored uh, 22 goals at her first Swedish team, uh, the delightfully named Linkopings uh, FC. Uh, and it was that um, it was that form that got her the attention of Arsenal. And Arsenal were looking to bring someone in uh, with Arsenal missing uh, Miedemar and Mead. With injury, Manum was plucked from the Norwegian league. Uh, she scored seven goals and three assists in her past uh, ten matches, and that includes an uh, absolute rocket of a goal she scored against Bayern Munich in the uh, Champions League quarterfinals. And she does play with her national team, obviously. I think she will go uh, to the World Cup. She scored twice in a three-all draw uh, with Sweden uh, recently. Um, so keep an eye out for Frida Manum. And also wanted to flag uh, Trinity Rodman, uh, plays for Washington Spirits, and she's 20 years old and will be going with the USA squad um, to this World Cup. Her stats are absolutely frightening in the uh, w, uh, the NWSL. Uh, as an attacking winger, She's has more pro- progressive carries than anyone else uh, in the last season. She scored uh, 17 goals in 14 assists and 102 chances created since she joined Washington Spirits. And yes, she is the daughter of Dennis Rodman, but right now she's just known, I think, as a world-class winger and with some injuries with uh, the USA team, particularly uh, Mallory Swanson. Trinity Rodman may well get some more game time, so keep an eye out for her uh, playing for the USA. On that very note, Michael, well done. Um, thanks for another good week, mate. I'm going to have uh, the week off and uh, and listen to your uh, your stylings on uh, on stoppage time a bit later in the week. Yeah, looking forward to stoppage time. Lots to talk about, including no Saliba, no Arsenal. No, exactly. Well, I'll let you guys um, wallow in your own pity. Willem, well done. Good stuff. Thank you, gents. Derek, can you? Tell a story that is going to give hope to Arsenal fans later in the week. It'll be on the eve of uh, of that match um, at, uh, at um, City. Any hope? Well, 1989, Rob, going to Anfield. That they were it was very much against the odds that night. So maybe they can bottle the spirit of '89 and do something again. But I am girding my loins.
Yes, an interesting use of the term bottle in a different context. I know. All right. Well, I'm I'm, I'm hoping you do. I'm hoping as a as a nonpartisan fan that you actually do because I uh, at the moment I'm not a big fan of City and uh, it looks like look at him. He's uh, he's he's uh, sipping a glass of some sort of Aussie uh, wine uh, on on the camera there. Um, is that legal? I don't know. Anyway, well done, boys. Damien Tardio, thank you for making sure all of this uh, show came together as as nicely as we hope it uh, it does for you out there listening. And if you haven't done it so yet, please make sure you subscribe to Box to Box, Stoppage Time and Offside, wherever you get your podcasts. Tweet us at Box to Box NTS. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. And we're thanking everyone every week for, for the reviews as they build up. We're really humbled and grateful for all of the, uh, the feedback that we're getting. So thank you until your mates. Make sure you do all of that and follow our podcasts as they drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.